Well, I'm excited to share the word with you tonight. Um, I'll tell you that what I'm going to share with you, um, God began putting in it into my spirit about two or three weeks ago um, when he um, excitedly woke me up at about four in the morning. Um, and just so for those of you who don't know, I don't like four in the morning. Um, not kind of my jam, uh, not my thing. Um, and I know I've talked with you guys before that, uh, Bethany and I have been reading through, uh, the word this year and we are into the new Testament. Um, and mainly where we're at right now is all of the stuff about Jesus. It's like Jesus's life. Jesus is walking things out. Jesus is doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, Beth and I have all kinds of conversations where I'm like, yes, you know, like that was awesome, you know? And like, I get pretty pumped and excited on some of the stuff that we read. Um, but, uh, but so we've been reading through this, and it's really incredible. If you start reading through the New Testament to see the life that Jesus lived, to really look, look if you look really closely at what he did, the words that he said, the places that he went, you know, I think, I think many of us, if we talk about Jesus, right, we would probably agree that his life was marked by many, many different things, right? Some of those things were miracles and healings, right? Deliverances and how he shook the church. I love that kind of stuff. Like it just gets me excited. I, I, I love it. How he disrupted the way things had been for so many years. Like there's so many things about Jesus when you, when you, when you read this. And it's led me to this idea, this thought that came into my head of really who was Jesus, I think this is an interesting thing to think about because um, it's a com right. We we talk so much about Jesus. I, I look at songs. I look at lyric lyrical forms of words that we've wrote. Right. I think about that song Waymaker, and we we list all the things that he is and all the things that he does. And there's so many different songs like that. That literally, if you just go re- read through, we'll we'll profess all of the things that Jesus is and was. And this, this thought just came into my head and, you know, maybe you've, maybe you've heard of Jesus, shoot, maybe you've been in church and serving him since you were a kid, but really who was he, right? Who, who was he and what did he really do? I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Matthew chapter four, Matthew chapter four. We're going to read verses 23 through 25 is where we're going to start tonight as we start unpacking who Jesus was, some of the things that he did. And, and as I looked, I was, honestly, I was this close to reading like four chapters out of Mark. <laughs> and I kept reading it and I was like, man, they are going to gloss over me unless I'm like super theatric when I read this. Um, and I was like, man, I, I don't know. And I found, I found this passage um, that I think kind of sums up some of the things that Jesus just did in his time here. Because that's really what I'm trying to get to. I'm really trying to get to who was Jesus? What did he do? What, what, are, the, what are the traits? What are the things that followed him that ultimately made people say this is who Jesus was? Because if you think about yourself, think about your own life. People are evaluating the things that you do, the places that you go, and ultimately they're leveraging those things to define who you were when they encountered you, right? I mean, people look at everything. They look at every experience that they've had with you. They look at all these things. And so when you read Matthew uh, 4, verse 23 says this, 
It says, and he went, this is Jesus, and he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Now, besides being surprised that I said the word Decapolis without (laughs) pausing, (laughs) it's pretty good. (laughs) Um, there's There's some very interesting things in this passage that I think points out who Jesus was, right? If we look at the scripture right at the beginning of 23, it starts identifying things that he was doing, right? He was teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. That's one of the first things that Jesus was doing. So if you think about that, that's one of the traits that people would identify that he was going to do, right? It's one of the things that he carried out. It's who he was, right? He went and he taught, right? One of my, when I talk about my encounters with Jesus, right? And I believe we should all be having encounters with Jesus. My encounters with Jesus are almost always teaching related. Almost always. Like there are things that he, he, he will reveal to me that will like make me look at things differently, that will make me, that will challenge myself. Like there is this like this teaching thing that I just, that's where I live with him, right? And it's like he, he Beth will tell you there'll be times where like all of a sudden it'll be like, God's just like teaching me some stuff and I'll be like crazy going at it and going at it. And then it'll be like, okay, quiet. And I'll just like get it, capture it. And then the next wave will come and all these kind of things. So this, this is, this is, this is part of who Jesus was, right? He, he taught in the synagogues, procl- uh, synagogues, proclaimed the gospel. He healed every disease and affliction among the people. He was known for healing, right? It goes on to say, see that cue? That was perfect. Um, that they brought him the sick, right? They began bringing him people. He br- they brought them those that were being oppressed by demons. So he was known for taking care of that problem, those having seizures, paralytics. And he, he, he had all of these marks that identified who he was. That's what, that's what it says, right? And if you think about the songs and the things that we say and the things that we proclaim about him, typically these are the things that we're proclaiming and we're talking about. He's our healer. He's our deliverer, like all these different things, right? He's our teacher. You know, we, we, we read these things over and over and over. Turn with me to Mark chapter three. I want to show you something else that Jesus was. This is actually one of my most favorite tra- traits about Jesus. I get so excited about this stuff. Like I get geeked out um, and uh, um, Bethany, you know, Bethany will heal me go on and on um, when, when I run into stuff like this. And I ran into this one and I just, I don't know, I, I eat this kind of stuff up. Uh, you're going to think I'm a nerd, but it, it, I think you'll like it too. Mark chapter three, verse one says this. Again, he entered the synagogue. Okay, Jesus. All right, you with me? He is Jesus. All right, he entered the synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see, and they, okay, let me, let me explain something to you. They, I'm just going to go ahead and paint you a picture here. Uh, they is a bunch of religious people, 
Okay. Now, some of you are like, what do you mean? I'm in a church, religious, like, wait, wait, what do you mean? Okay, I'm talking about people who literally um, come from this mindset of you got to follow my rules, you got to follow my traditions, you got to look like me, you got to talk like me. Um, unfortunately, there's actually not that many people here in flannel tonight. I'm actually kind of disappointed. Guys, the weather has actually cooled off. It makes sense. Um, disappointed. Um, anyways. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about religious people. And this is, this is who's watching. It says, and they watch Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day so that they might accuse him. Okay. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, being the religious people, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. I love this visual representation of Jesus because one of the things that it it shows us that Jesus was, Jesus was disruptive. (laughs) I like I, I like to be disruptive, okay? I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, I can tell you that when we were doing, I, I want to say demo, di- demo day here at the church, when Beth and I were remodeling the church, but it's more like um, demo months. Um, it wasn't a day. <laughs> it was months and months of demo. Um, like I, I, love, I love that kind of stuff. Um, but <clears throat> when you look at what Jesus was doing here, he was disrupting their thought. And what he's really trying to do is teach them something, right? He's really trying to get them to think because they were, they were literally watching. This is, this is the way I, I see this playing out. Okay. Uh, Jesus walks into the synagogue. Now let me explain something to you first. Jesus comes into the synagogue. What Jesus didn't do, um, at least it doesn't talk about it in here, is he didn't uh, come through the synagogue, walk all the way up to some sort of raised elevated platform, uh, grab a microphone, kick on the sound system, uh, get some tunes bumping, get people kind of moving and excited and stuff like that. Um, get them pumped up, get them raring and going, and then be like, all right, man, where's, where's my withered hand guy so I can heal him in front of everybody? It's not it. He didn't do it, right? And so Jesus walks in, and, there, and there's this, this man in, with his withered hand. So first off, Jesus identifies need, right? Everywhere that he goes, he identifies need. And he longs to fill those needs. Now, a lot of times we struggle with that, and maybe we don't let him. Maybe we're a little intimidated and, and frightened of what might happen if we let loose a little bit and allow God to do something in our lives. But I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about that. So he comes in, he identifies the need. He goes straight up to the man. And what I love is that what he does is he doesn't avoid the confrontation that's waiting there. See, in our lives, a lot of time we're so afraid of confrontation that we will not do the thing that God has called us to do. Right, Because someone else is watching, someone else is waiting for you to mess up, for you to say it wrong, for you to do it wrong, or for you to offend somebody else. And so as soon as you do it, they're going to run and they're going to cause a scene because that's, that's literally that's what they did here, right? And you can imagine the story right, that these, these uh, um, religious people told, right? Hey, man, here's the deal. Here's what happened. Um, we were just in the synagogue. You know, it was a good day. Nothing crazy was going on. Withered hand guy was there, you know, we were all there. This is, this is how they talk, just so you know. I don't know if you knew that. It's a different version, but it makes sense. Um, and 
that dude Jesus walks in, right? He comes in, he goes, and hold on. Yeah, it was the Sabbath, let me remind you, okay? It was on the Sabbath, and he walks in, and he's like, and we knew, we were watching. We were, I mean, we were hunkered down in the back, you know, like behind the pews and stuff, because we didn't, you know, I mean, we didn't want to be seen. And so we were just kind of back there, and we are just kind of watching to see what we would do. And then he had the nerve. He looked at us. You know what he did? He asked us, is it better to heal the guy or let him die today? Well, what did you say? Well, we didn't say nothing, right? <laughs> See, it sounds ridiculous, this whole story, right? This whole experience. But you know, so many times we are the one that's crippled because we're afraid to do something that God's called us to do. Because someone else is looking at us, someone else is going to judge you. See, we get so caught up on someone else. Ju- Listen, people get frightened to go to church because they're afraid that they're going to be judged for being in the church, That's messed up. That's not right. That is not what we're supposed to do. And we have, we have, what we've done is we have forsaken the life of Jesus because Jesus came to knock all that stuff down. And what happens in church culture too often is we just start building it up. We start building our cliques and our groups and our this and our that. And listen, we need to break down these types of barriers. If you allow a religious person to begin to spew that stuff onto you, you will find yourself living religiously and not freely, okay? But we know that Jesus, Jesus was a little bit disruptive, right? That's okay. That's who he was. But in any moment, he was ready to serve. And I say all that, think about Jesus, right? Our healer, our deliverer. You know, all these things, our peace, all these different things that we we do to describe who Jesus was, man, what Jesus did. And here's the thought that actually woke me up, okay? I woke up, I felt like God was speaking to me and that he was saying to me that, look at the life of Jesus, right? Hearing what we've talked about, we love that Jesus, right? We love that Jesus, We love to hear about the Jesus who healed, the Jesus who cast out demons, the Jesus who served, the Jesus who transformed, the Jesus who took our sins so that we could have access to God the Father. We could be reconciled through his sacrifice. Like we we love that. And it's easy to love a Jesus like this. I mean, if you look at his life, we're inspired, we're encouraged, we're challenged right? We see the things that he walked out. He took, he took 12 men and he changed the face of the earth. He changed everything. Even the timeline of history got disrupted when Jesus came. And while everything I'm saying is good and right, and we need to know who Jesus was, there's a problem that I think we need to face head on. It's because we only know who he was. We don't know who he is in our own lives. See, We can look back, and I'm not, this is rich, good, powerful, encouraging, mighty, life-changing stuff, guys. But most people, they've heard, they've heard it. They've heard the stories. They've heard us talk about how he's a healer. They've read the pages. Some of them have even recited the verses and had to memorize them when they were at a young age. But the problem is they only know who Jesus was. And so for many of them, he's not real. See, we're not addressing the fact that Jesus is so many of those things for us. 
See, we're, we're looking and we're talking about what was, what happened, when it happened, how great it was. We are so caught up on that that we are not living in a place that we say Jesus is my healer, right? Jesus is my deliverer. When I feel like I can't get it right, I know that he can help me get it right. We need to start recognizing who Jesus is. Think about this. Isn't knowing who someone is much different than knowing who someone was? Isn't it? Like I, I think about um, when you know who someone is, it brings closeness to conversation. When you know who someone was, there's a distance, right? I have a, a my, my best friend from high school, his birthday is today, okay? He is turning something old, okay? So proud of him that he's made it this far in life. Best friends in high school, okay? We did everything together. And when I say everything, I mean when Beth and I were getting ready to be married, we bought a house in Blanchester, okay? We bought the house in April. We weren't getting married until July. So I lived in the house, and guess who was right there with me the whole time? My buddy, right? And you know what we did? We're, we're, we are not cool people. I'm just going to tell you right now. We played Monopoly a lot, <laughs> And eventually, and I don't know if you guys have ever played this, but this is the real deal. They had the game Monopoly for regular Nintendo. We even played that, okay? Because when it was too, it was like too much work to set up the board game and roll the dice. Like literally you push a button and it rolls the dice for you. Like, this, is, this is great, man. It's his birthday today. And he, listen, me and him all through school like this, right? Like this. I saw him... A year ago, maybe? Maybe a year ago. He lives all the way out in California now. And I took a business trip out to California. And while I was there, I was like, hey, where are you relative to this location where I'm going to be? And he's like, well, I'm three hours south of that. And I was like, well, can we connect? And he was like, yeah, I'll drive up an hour and a half and you drive down an hour and a half. And so that's what we did. So I took a day and I drove an hour and a half down to get to meet him and talk with him and all those kind of good things. I can tell you a lot about who he was. Because I know him, right? I know his character. I know, I know the way he was. But what I cannot tell you is who he is today. I can't. I don't have closeness to him. I don't have enough of a connection to be able to understand who he is. And the problem is so many of us don't know who Jesus is because we don't have a connection. We're not willing to go in to get some closeness with him because we're afraid of what's going to happen when we get close. Because we know every time we've gotten close to Jesus in the past, it's been disruptive to our lives. He's looked at some stuff in our lives and he stared at it and he says, is this really good for you, Tom? Is, is this really what you need? Is this really what your life is calling for right now? That's what, he, that's what he does. We know it's disruptive. And let me tell you this. This is part of the challenge because when you know someone, who someone is, it's more tangible, it's more reliable, it's more real. That's what we, we gotta get the real Jesus. I love that song. There's a song that says, give me the real Jesus. Man, that's, that's it. Not, not, the, not the church experience, not the not the, the glitz and glam of, of church culture. Like I, I, want the, I want the Jesus walking around, changing lives everywhere that he goes. I want that real Jesus. And see, when you start talking about knowing who someone is versus someone was, it's all about, 
it's all about the, uh, uh, um, the current environment, right? I believe that present tense situations devour past tense experiences. Does that make sense? Present tense situations devour past tense experiences. Now that, let me explain this. So some of you in here, if you were running from me, because I am so incredibly muscular and strong, I don't know why you guys laugh on that stuff, um, and you took off running with everything that you had, and you slammed your toe against that solid, let me tell you something, that oak pew will not move, okay? Trust me, Kevin, Kevin screwed them down to the floor to try to make sure they don't, <laughs> If you ran your toe into that with everything in you, there might be some words that you had given up that would come right back up, <laughs> right? I'm, I, I was going to start acting it out, but I'm going to get in trouble if I do that. But if you, if you do that, right, all of a sudden, whoa, you know, you're going to say something, you're going to go, whoa, you know. And what's, what's, what's interesting when you think about that is that that's a present tense situation, right? Now... Does that mean that you're not committed to what happened? In, you know, you've, you've had an experience in your life that you said, hey, I'm, I'm cleaning my life up. I'm going to do things differently. I'm going to talk differently. I'm going to act differently. I'm going to do all that stuff. And then you stub your toe in front of the pastor and you're like, you know, it's okay. You can do it. Um, I won't freak out. I'll, I'll actually laugh. Um, but but that's, that's a situation where you had an experience that changed your life, right? That you set out to change. But sometimes you get into a moment and it feels crazy and it feels difficult and something comes out of you that you're like, whoa, that was not supposed to be there. See, that's where we, we have this challenge because we keep looking at Jesus in the past tense. In everything that we're doing, we're looking at who he was. We're not allowing him to be what he wants to be for our lives. We're still busy talking about Jesus healing the blind man, and we're not even sharing our own experiences with Jesus. I'm not saying it's wrong to share, right, the things that are in this word, but what I'm telling you is that when you sit down with someone, they don't need you to tell them about that time where Jesus healed a blind man. They need you to sit down and tell them about the time that Jesus took your soul that was wretched, that was messed up, that was broken, that was empty, and all of a sudden he filled it with joy and compassion and love like you had never known in your life. That's what they need to hear. Because guess what? They don't know who the blind man was. They know who you is. That makes sense, right? <laughs> Scotian, I can preach like that. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. See, the problem is we don't do this, and here's why. We don't think it's big enough. We don't think it's bold enough. We don't think it's loud enough to talk about what Jesus did in our life because it's not crazy. Tim Hawkins does a great job of explaining this. I don't know if any of you guys love Tim Hawkins. I love Tim Hawkins. He and I are like best friends. I knew him. Um, he tells this great story about how someone came to his church and they told this crazy story about how they were addicted to all this stuff and how messed up their life was. And he's back in the corner and he's like, man, my testimony sucks. I wish I was addicted to crack. <laughs> right? Right? But that's what we do. Like we look, we look at our own experiences with Jesus and we determine that they're not good enough. That's not right. 
That's not right. Listen, as long as we keep looking at our situations, our experiences that we've had with God, and we determine that they're not transformative enough, we determine that they're not big enough, that they're not loud enough, why, listen, how long are we going to keep saying our own personal experiences with Christ are not good enough? That's not right. Paul went in and Paul went in and he, what he did was he told everyone about what God did to him, right? That's what he did. That's what he walked out. That's what we're supposed to walk out. But to do this, we have to understand who Jesus is in our life. Let me tell you something. Your experience with Jesus can be wildly different than my experience with Jesus, I tell you my teaching thing with Jesus, right? That's where, man, that's when I feel him more in my spirit than I ever feel him in life. And I love to worship and I love to do all the things, but let me tell you something right now. When I'm in the word and all of a sudden he begins to just illuminate the word for me, it's transformative for my life. It makes me walk differently. It makes me, act, makes me take this so much more serious in my life. That's what it does because I'm recognizing in that moment who Jesus is in me and how he's working in me, and how he's revealing. We need to start recognizing who Jesus is. This week I saw a video shared. Um, it, was a, it was a video where um, there was a, just a ton of people praying for this lady, um, and this crazy healing takes place, and everyone's losing their minds. And if you do enough research, you'll find that same lady having that same healing four or five different times in other churches all across the nation. And that's crazy, right? People look at that and they're like, why would she do that, right? Why would, why would, she, why would she go from place to place and, and act out her healing moment, right? To, to get everyone riled up. It's crazy. It's, it's just a, it's a crazy thing, okay? And I watched this and I kept looking at this and I, and I thought, no, no, we, we got to start looking at ourselves. You know why? Because we've decided that if it's not a miraculous healing, if it's not some crazy experience, if it's, not some, it's not enough, We've decided that Jesus isn't enough. The miracle of today is that we have access to the throne through Jesus Christ. And we should be more excited about that miracle than we are any other thing because that gives us access to God. And we don't get excited about who Jesus really is at the end of the day. My question is, have we become so focused on these experiences that we're missing the daily encounter, the daily interaction of who Jesus is? Last week, I told you, uh, I may have told you a little bit, um, Saturday, uh, before the gathering, I was in Columbus, and I was speaking to a, a group of ministerial students, okay? So they're, they're going through training um, to, be, to become uh, ordained ministers and so, so many things. And so um, I imagine uh, that everyone else they asked wasn't available that day, and so they finally got to my name, and they're like, could you just, just make sure they don't leave or something? Um, I don't know. And... <clears throat> So I go and uh, I walk in. There's there's two different training sessions going on. Okay, so we've got um, we've got in, in our denominations we've got what's called CAMs, and these are people that are brand new. They're 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 going to start. They're going to start learning. Um, they're going to uh, eventually go for their exhorters license in the Church of God, and then they have what's called MIP, and these are ministerial internship program students. Okay, they're going. They've already become exhorters, and now they're they're testing to become an ordained minister, and they got to do all these tests and all these crazy things. Um, 
and I walk into a session um, because I, I had about 20, 30 minutes before mine was supposed to start. And I just, I just stood in the back of the room and they're just talking to these new CAM students and they're talking. And I'm sitting there and I'm listening and uh, they're talking about altar call experiences in the church. It's funny because Shauna and I, we were just talking about this just a couple weeks ago. They were talking about altar call experiences in the church, and there was a gentleman who was in that group of students who made a statement. He says, hey, he's like, you know, people don't come to the altar and pray anymore. And he's like, and I think a lot of people aren't experiencing what God wants to do in their life because they're not coming up to this altar and they're not praying. And so he made the recommendation that maybe what we should start doing in churches is we should kind of have a bit of a buddy system. So if the pastor does altar call, some of us just go up no matter what, right? Just go on up there and get a little Jesus, man. He's like, you know, because maybe, maybe some of those people will come. And the intent of his heart was good, right? Like, it was fine. And uh, the pastor who was leading, he was, he was kind of like, well, um, any thoughts on that from the class? And I was in the back, and I was like, pick me. Um, and I was like, can I say something? And Pastor Rick was like, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. And, and I asked a question. Uh, because a lot of times we get caught up in church culture, right? It happens. It's natural. We've all experienced it. We grew up, some of us grew up in church and we experienced it. And I asked this question, which is a little crazy, um, uh, but it's something that God has really worked in me about. And, and I said, I just have a quick question um, for the room. Um, can you guys tell me how many altar calls that Jesus did when he was on the earth? And they were all like, what? <laughs> I was like, you know, the thing is, we're so caught up waiting for this moment that we have to build up to, and what God wants to do is he wants to change your life right where you're at, right where you're at. He wants to disrupt everything about you in such a good way that you have no clue, and it doesn't require you to walk up here. It doesn't require you to hold a hand up. It doesn't require any of that. And see, church culture, we've tried to create all of these experiences to try to get people. And I'll be honest, I've been guilty. (laughs) I've been guilty. But when Jesus begins teaching me things like this, I'm like, what? (laughs) And Bethany's like, you got to be careful who you talk to that about because they'll go crazy on you. (laughs) She keeps me in check. But have we gotten so focused on the experiences of church that we're just missing the daily encounter of what Jesus wants? See, so many of us are waiting for an altar call experience in a church on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning, right? (laughs) I know most people do Saturday night. Um, But they're waiting for an experience like that. They're waiting to get to church to encounter God. God is not in this building. God does not reside in this building. That's not him. He's in here right? That's disruptive. (laughs) That's disruptive to a lot of people. But we need to stop being focused on a once a week encounter and get into a daily place of knowing who Jesus is. So I want you to begin thinking about this for your own life. Who is Jesus in your life? For some of you, you may say healer. He may have healed you. He may have brought a miraculous healing, and that may be what you know him as. Some of you may say deliverer 
because he has delivered you of something or some experience or whatever it is. Whatever it is, your experience with Jesus needs to be a personal one. I can't ride to heaven on the coattails of my wife. Doesn't work that way. I can't get up to the pearly gates and be like, no, 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 no. Hold, hold on, hold on. I'm with her. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> can't do that. Too many of us are trying to ride on the coattails of someone else. It may be a pastor. It may be a family member, a mother, a father, a grandmother, a grand, whatever it is, right? And this can be a challenging thought for many of us because when we think about Jesus, we gravitate towards who he was. But can I tell you, there is a side to Jesus that you need to know that it may not. Listen, in John, I believe it says that the books couldn't even contain everything that he did. <laughs> so what does that mean? There are things about him that you have not been <laughs> exposed to yet. Maybe it's not healer for you. Maybe it's not deliver for you, but maybe it's something radical that he wants to do in your life to change you, to transform you. We need to start understanding who he is by what we've experienced in him. So who is he in your life? Do you, how, do you, how do you know him? How is Jesus not a distant connection, right, that you used to know? Yeah, man, I used to, used to have those flannel graph things. It was like felt or something, and I would stick it, and the Jesus would stay, and I'd move it, and it was fun, right? <laughs> because part of what's important about this is when you only know who someone was and not entirely who, who someone is, you begin to lose sight of who they were, Right? Because if you only know who they were, my buddy Joe, the more time that we spend apart, the less I remember. That's not because I got a bad memory, okay? Just lay off me, people. <laughs> you forget about things, right? And so if we're living solely by on who Jesus was and not by who he is, we're going to miss 